This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, live from Charlotte, North Carolina, episode 141. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host to the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co host, the man, the myth. No, he's not the legend. That's somebody else. It's Brandon Turner. What's up, Josh? What's going on, man? Hey, it's uh, it's good. I'm uh, I'm I'm doing well despite uh, you know, some problems that have been uh, I've been dealing with last week with my rentals. That's been yeah. fun. Yeah, it's been an interesting week. An interesting week. Uh, some quick context: this show that you're about to listen to uh, was recorded live at a conference called FinCon down in Charlotte, North Carolina. A bunch of us went down there to hang out and rub elbows with a bunch of our friends in the financial blogger community. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, the show's great. This is a fantastic show with with Chad Carson, uh, who uh, has previously done shows with us. But this this one was really really good. Yeah. But uh, I've actually got a funny story for everybody. Oh, do tell. Yeah. Do tell, Josh. Well, does the story involve me and flames and? It does. All that? It does. It oh, does. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So so we're in we're in Charlotte. We're we're at a bar. We're it's you know eleven o'clock or so at night. We're having a few uh, drinks, relaxing, having fun, and uh, Brandon gets a text message. And this wouldn't be unusual because typically through the course of any conversation with Brandon, he gets about 800 text messages, loses focus, and can't continue a conversation. Wait, wait, what? what? I just, exactly. I just got a text. Sorry. What? So said text message said, Brandon. It said, you need to call me. Your house is on fire. Okay. So, so let, let's get some context into the story here. This text message came from somebody who was one of Brandon's very first tenants. He's been a tenant for what, like eight or nine years, right? Yep. Eight or nine. Yeah. I think eight, eight years, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Very first tenant. Back when you didn't really know what you were doing, you know, you kind of did everything yep. wrong. He's got your cell phone, right? He's got my cell phone, knows where I live, all that good stuff right. that you should not probably do. He probably was never qualified to live there in the first place. Okay. But, you know, okay. And back and then now- what's tenant screening, huh? Exactly. And now you're in the process of evicting said gentleman uh, for about a month and a half, correct? Correct. Yeah. He, he was on his way out. He was, uh, he was moving stuff out of the house, finally got, got, got out uh, for the most part. And in the process, decided to set a box on a stove and then leave and must have bumped the stovetop and lit the box on fire, which then lit the kitchen on fire, which then lit the house on fire. And while I'm in North Carolina, I get this call from the guy who I'm deliberately not talking to, and well, I haven't answered any phone call. Right? So yeah, you I got, got the text. text. Yeah, and I have not been answering. I mean, he's been texting me for a month now. You know, with the occasional, you know, cussing me out for me being a jerk landlord for evicting a guy for not paying rent, and uh, I just refused to talk to him. I just didn't let the lawyer deal with it. And you have was, a, you have a property manager says, and a lawyer and everything, right? Yeah, yeah, they're dealing with it. I, this is one that I gave over to property management because I didn't want to deal with this guy because it was set up wrong in the first place. Yeah. Anyway, so he lit the house on fire uh, on accident. I, I do believe it was on accident, but you know. Yeah, and, and, uh, and it was funny because we get the follow-up. I mean, like th- this yeah, text like message play comes play in. We're all sitting there and we're sitting there like, what do we do? Is this guy like, you know, did he, is he threatening to light it on fire? Is this a call for help? Yeah. What's going on? Like, we're all trying to figure out how to help Brandon out here. And the phone rings. <laughs> 
and it's not his yeah. tenant, but it's it's the fireman, right? It is the fire department was there at the house putting out the fires. So yeah, so they're dealing with it. They took it down. I I, I handled it from two thousand twenty five maybe three thousand miles away. And, uh, you know, we cleaned up insurance is going to take care of everything. And, you know, the best news is the tenant can't live there anymore because the house is completely smoke and, uh, fire damaged. So I kind of killed a couple birds with one stone and well, you did not kill any birds with one stone. Well, I didn't kill any yes, birds with let's, any stones. Let's but. clarify. <laughs> the timing, the timing worked very well in your favor. And, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, my insurance company is not going to like, not going to agree that this was a positive thing, but. You know, that's one thing I like about real estate. The fact that, you know, people say, well, what happens if your house burns down? Okay, well, you deal with it. You know, you have, you have the right insurance. So that is today's quick tip. Get insurance on your properties because <laughs> houses burn. And uh, if you don't have the right insurance or something bad happens and, you know, call up your insurance company today. Make sure you have good insurance coverage on your properties, people. Exactly. Great. That's great, a quick great. tip. Well, right. anyway, anyway that's it's, a, it's a tragic story, but but at the same time, it actually worked out well in the end for you. Thank God he, you know, even though you were evicting him, thank goodness he didn't actually get hurt. Although there was somebody killed in, in the home, unfortunately. His fish. Oh yeah, that's right. His fish was killed in the home, which was sad. Was but at sad. least it wasn't a person. A yes, fish. exactly. Exactly. All right. Anyway, passive income without the property headache, it's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Want to dive deep into commercial real estate, entrepreneurship, leadership, and the economy? Tune into the Walker webcast hosted by the CEO of Walker & Dunlop, one of the largest commercial real estate finance and advisory services firms in the nation. As an unparalleled leader in commercial real estate, CEO Willie Walker frequently appears as an expert on major platforms like CNBC and the New York Times. He's even been on the Bigger Pockets podcast network too. On the Walker webcast, you'll hear from guests like A-Rod, renowned economist Dr. Peter Linneman, and experts from Walker and Dunlop's capital markets, research, and investment sales groups. So fire up the Walker webcast on your favorite podcast app or join live on Wednesdays to see Willie interact with his guests. Plus, you can always catch the replay on demand afterward. Stay ahead of the curve with insights for life from the Walker webcast. Learn more and subscribe to the Walker webcast at walkerdunlop.com slash pockets. And be sure to follow Walker and Dunlop on all your favorite social media channels too. That's walkerdunlop.com slash pockets. 
All right, guys, as I mentioned before, this is a live show. Um, not really, but we recorded it live with lots of people and interruptions and things happen. And, you know, uh, it, you know, stay tuned. It's fun. It was exciting and, and the content was awesome. So, uh, let's bring on Chad Carson, a fantastic guy, a great investor from, uh, where's he? He's from, uh, I'm blanking out. Uh, he's from South Carolina, but South what's the Carolina, town yeah, what's it? Clemson, uh, Clemson, Clemson. Yeah. Clemson, South Carolina. Chad is going to teach us seven ways to find incredible real estate deals. And uh, some of them you probably have never heard of before. So if you're looking, if you're struggling to find good deals, this show is going to help you. All right, let's bring on... FinCon! That's what I'm talking about. You ready for this? I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. This is the Bigger Pockets podcast live at the Trade King stage here at FinCon 2015, Charlotte, North Carolina. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, your host, here with my co-host, Mr. Brandon Turner. What's going good on, Brandon? How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I, you know, it's been a couple of good days here at FinCon, getting very, very little sleep. And uh, people who don't know what FinCon is, Josh, what is FinCon? FinCon. FinCon is the world's premier conference for financial bloggers, financial writers, press, media, you name it. It's all about finance here at FinCon, Charlotte. That's, that's all? That's it, man. Oh, okay. That doesn't sound as exciting as it really is. It is pretty exciting. <laughs> this is a conference. This year, there's like 880 amazing people networking, some of the top talent in blogging and writing all about real estate, finance, you name it. So I'm excited to be here. This is my fourth year. I think it's your third, right? Third year, third year. And we recorded last year. We did a live show as well, which was episode, I'm not sure, but we'll link to it in the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 141. That's right. Show 141. Yes, yes, yes. So today we've got a great show. We actually have a Bigger Pockets... Uh, podcast alumni alumni named Chad Carson and we'll bring Chad out shortly for those of you who are here can see that he's sitting here next to us but uh, before we go there man like how have things been going lately everything good Things things are good. I bought a new house. That's exciting. It finally closed. We've been talking about it lately. We have. Congratulations. Thanks. I haven't awesome. moved yet, but I hired a high school girl to move all my stuff while I'm here at FinCon. Well, she's been moving for the last couple of weeks, but she moved my kitchen. So I left with one kitchen. I'm going to come back, and the new kitchen is going to be stocked. All the dishes, all the food completely put away. I'm pretty excited about that. That's great. That's outsourcing right there. That is outsourcing, and she's going to live with you guys now, I hear. She is not. She is. <laughs> I wouldn't mind a maid, though, like full-time. That'd be kind of cool. That's not a bad idea. Like Alice from uh, what's that show, The Brady Bunch? That's right. My wife actually told me that a few weeks ago. She said, you know what? We need an Alice just to, to hang out with us and yeah. cook us meals and do it. our house. Do it, do it. All right, man. Well, let's get to this. Okay. Let's make this thing happen here. So, Chad Carson. Chad Carson is a real estate investor, I believe from the Clemson area. And uh, Chad, by the way, who many of you guys may not know, was a professional college athlete, or a college athlete, non-professional, who played in front of tens of thousands of people, which is pretty fascinating to me, by the way. Uh, but uh, Chad, you've been, Chad's been investing for how many years, Chad? It's been 13 years. So Chad's been investing for 13 years, and we're really, really excited to have him back on the stage. So Chad, welcome to the show, man. It's great to have you here. I appreciate it, Josh. It's great to be here with you guys, and FinCon is a wonderful place to hang out and get to know people and really uh, 
network and learn a lot. So this is awesome to be here. Very cool. Yeah, you were you were last on the show back on episode 84, where we talked about getting started with creative finance and designing your ideal lifestyle. And so today we're going to shift gears a little bit. And you know, people can go back and listen to that, of course, at biggerpockets.com slash show 84. Uh, but today we're going to talk... We're going to precede that, converse, that conversation a little bit, do a prequel, I guess you could say. It is. We're going to talk about how did you get to that point? You had to buy real estate deals. You had to buy a lot of deals. So how did you do that? That's what we're going to talk about today. How do you find amazing real estate deals? Because not every deal in the world is going to work. In fact, most of them won't. So how do you find the best ones? Hey, Brandon. Yeah. How do I find really good deals? I have no idea at all. I want all. to be a real estate investor. What do I do? We should ask Chad because Chad's actually here. We'll ask him. How do you find good real estate deals? Let's, well, <laughs> let's do it. Chad. Awesome. Well, I love the topic and I think it's, it's important though to precede that a little bit and say, and Brandon and I were talking a little bit in another conversation that you can, you can go out and try to find deals and you can do all this lead generation to find deals, which we're going to talk a lot about today. And I've got some tips for you guys to to actually some specific things you can use to find good leads and deals. But I think it's important, first of all, to say just kind of what do you have to do before then? So sure. you know, Brandon, what do, you, what do you think? What are some of the first things that you did? And I can bounce in there too, but you know, what do you recommend people when they, when they first start before they even start looking for leads? Ooh, look at that. You're turning the interview around to me. That's, that's exciting. So uh, I don't know. When yeah, I, he flipped I mean, that on you, man. He did. I know. I was unprepared. Okay. So I mean, the first, I mean, I, I always tell people this mindset is probably the most important thing. First of all, you've got to get in the mindset that I'm going to go buy a good deal. Not just any deal, but you got to know mindset wise, you got to buy a good deal. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, I wanted to ask you because you guys, I listen to your podcast and I know how it goes, but yeah, I would say first, you have to get educated and you got to know kind of how to analyze a deal and you got to know what's most importantly, what's important for your niche. Because yeah. I, I think so many, when I first started, I was a wholesaler. So I was going out and finding deals that I would get under contract and assign to other people. And if that business model is completely different than somebody who is working a full-time job and needs one or two rental properties on the side and they're about to retire. Yeah. So, so I, I, don't, I, I guess I'm just bringing that point up because these are some really cool tips we're going to talk about. But there's some other homework that you want to do to kind of find your specific place within the real estate investment world first. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, lots of people are like, hey, I'm going to be a real estate investor. And they're like, you know, get all excited. And they're like, what do I do? You know, finding deals is one thing. But if you don't know, and we talk about this in our beginner's guide, right? I mean, biggerpockets.com slash UBG, the ultimate beginner's guide. You've got to pick your strategy. You've got to pick your niche. You've got to know what you're going for. I mean, just now, granted, if you find a good deal, there's a whole lot that you can do with it. But you really need to know how to find that good deal. And you, you really need to know, you know, what are my possible exits? How do, I, how do I get out of this thing? What do I need to do? So yeah. we talk about that elsewhere. We cover that right now. Let's get into this thing. How on earth do I find great deals? So you've got seven tips, the first of which is driving for dollars. So driving for dollars, let's talk about that. What is it? All right, so this is a pretty cool strategy, first of all, because if you're, if you're low budget or if you have a big budget for finding deals, either way, this is not a really expensive proposition. So basically, you're going to get in your car, you're going to fill it up with gas, and you're going to look on Google Maps and say, this is my target area, and I'm just going to drive. And this could be on your way to work if you had an extra 10 minutes on the way to work, or this could be a planned Saturday afternoon, for example, like if you're part-time working on the weekends. And you're just going to drive neighborhoods, but you're going to do it deliberately. You're going to be looking street by street by street in every little nook and cranny of a neighborhood, every little side street. And here's there's a, a few things that you're going to look for. And so I've got three typical or kind of main 
things are going to catch your eyes, and these are going to be just flags that you're going to you're going to stop when you see these things. You're going to stop. You're going to do something. So, the first thing you're looking for as you're driving around would be these houses with grass that's up to your waist. Yeah. The, there's newspapers in the. Those in are the pretty houses. And they're vacant. So you're you're you, they're basically you're looking for signs of, of houses where somebody's moved out, and for whatever reason you don't know why they moved out. It could be that they moved out across the country. It could be that they lost their foreclosure. It could be whatever. But you're going to be looking for those and. When, when you find one, you're going to stop, you're going to pull over, and you're going to write it down on a notebook and say the address and maybe the address to the left and the right, and then you're just going to keep on creating a list, uh, doing it that way. Right on. That. Right on. Yeah, that's a great way. That's a great way. And, you know, the, the great thing about finding vacant properties is anybody can do that. It costs you absolutely nothing. Yeah. You get in your car, you drive around, you look for houses that look like crap, and, and suddenly you've, you've got a list of potential buys, correct? That's right. And I don't know about you guys, but we, we sort of call it our vacant radar. Like my wife is in on this game and everybody I know in town's in on it. It's like, look, if you're riding around, I want you to be looking for these vacant houses. And everybody I've taught how to look for these now, they, they can't, it's like a different driving experience now. I mean, you can't drive through a town without noticing these houses that before you were completely ignoring. But now that you, you're looking for them, you'll, you'll notice weird little things. Like, for example, a vacant house might not have any curtains in the, in the windows. Or they might have something, there's no toys for kids in the, in the driveway or something. But you, you'll find all these little things in your town that sort of indicate why a house is vacant, and they're all over the place. I mean, you wouldn't yeah. believe how many there are. Yep. Yeah, that's so true. My wife and I do the same thing. Like, it, I never heard the vacant radar before, but that's exactly yeah, what it is. Term. Yeah, it's like you just you start to know. You're like, that looks like it might be a vacant house, and then like sometimes if I have time, I'll like get out of the car and go kind of walk up to the house, maybe knock on the door and see if. You know, if it is vacant, if there's somebody there. I mean, you know, as I'm walking by the front window, you know, take a look inside and, you know, see somebody in there changing and they scream and call the cops and it gets yeah, really awkward at that point. That's a good idea. I like but, that. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you're like eight feet tall and scary yeah. looking. It's a yeah. Good idea and you wear a hood and you run windows. at night and it's like midnight and it's, it gets a little weird. Yeah. That's yeah. weird. I would sell Brandon my house if he walked up at night too. I'm, he's a scary dude. <laughs> Give me your house. Yes. <laughs> All right. Cool. So we got vacants. That's fairly obvious. What, yeah. what else do we have? Well, the other ones, I'll just quickly say, that you're going to see signs and the sign I don't typically call are the realtor signs. That's the one everybody else is calling. I like to call for sale by owner signs because they potentially you can talk directly to the seller and not always work out a deal, but there might be some reason why they didn't list it with a realtor. They might need to sell it quickly. Maybe they hate realtors. I mean, there's no reason, no no telling why, but I've bought some properties just by calling them for sale by owners. The uglier the sign, the better. You know, if they they bought it, you know, they just bought a yellow sign and they hand wrote it on there or they use the old for sale by owner sign they found in the dumpster, you know, you want you want some kind of just ugly sign. That's that's really good because they're less they're, they're less uh, apt to try to. They're just they're just kind of amateur. To be honest, they're just they're not. They haven't done their homework and they're 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 more likely to to be a motivated seller, which is what we're looking for. Right on, right on. So we got the for sale by owners, we got vacants, this is driving for dollars, and a great thing to do, what you want to do is you want to create your quote farm, right? So you want to figure out what area do I want to invest in, and this is obviously not going to work when you're looking uh, remote, this is going to have to be something when you're looking in a relatively local area, you're going to scout out an area, and you you can literally just make a grid, right? Just go up, down the blocks, on your way to work. Work, wherever kind of your pathway is that, that you want to invest in. And essentially, over the course of time, things are going to change. You know, what, what's not vacant today might be vacant in, in three months, six months. So you just keep doing it over and over again, and you've always got a constant flow of leads, right? Exactly. Yeah. And the, the other thing is exactly what you said. You got to pick a neighborhood and, and just and go after it and make that your farm. So 
Um, but the, the, fi- the final one I was going to say, the final thing you want to look for when you're riding around are for rent by owner signs. And not a lot of investors think about this. They think, oh, it's for rent. It's not for sale. But I've had a lot of success and other people I know have had success calling the for rent sign. And you can, you can ask, you can just be honest and say, I'm an investor as well. I saw your house is for rent. You know, tell me about it. I may, maybe I could refer you somebody. But by the end of the conversation, if you can turn it around and say, well, you, I see you're renting the house, but have you ever considered selling it? Yeah. That one question has bought me a lot of houses and has bought other people I know houses. So if you just get practice, it's very simple. And landlords, you know, you, a lot of us are landlords. So it's, it's a person you can relate to and talk to. And so that's pretty cool. You can, you can have a conversation with them and you might even, it might even lead to other things. Maybe they're going to turn into a private money lender. Maybe they're going to be a, a referral source of other things for you. So it's just like, it's a really good thing yeah. to call rent, rental signs. Yeah, yeah, I was going to add that like when you do that, like, yeah, you might not get nine times out of 10, they're going to say probably not maybe, but it doesn't matter. You might build that relationship. They might become a mentor. If you're brand new at real estate, I mean, what a terrific way to get into to get a mentor and to get into it than by calling landlords who are doing exactly what you want to do. And if nothing else, maybe you'll hear their horror stories of what they screwed up on, and you can try to avoid those things. Yeah, so, yeah I love that stuff. And so. one of the things that we always talk about is you know taking out experienced investors for coffee or syncing up with them, and that's a great way to meet people. You know, one of the tips that we the actionable tips we always tell people is you know every week it, you've got to try and reach out to at least one new person or every day or however often you want to do it. And that's a perfect way to do it. So right on. All right, cool. Let's go to number two. So the first one was driving for dollars. What's your second tip on uh, finding great deals? All right, well, I'm going to stick with another free one because I want everybody to have some budget ideas that they can do without having to spend a lot of money. But um, the second one is just going on the Craigslist. So a lot of us use Craigslist to buy appliances. We use them to sell our old furniture and things like that. But, you know, people sell houses on Craigslist. People rent houses on Craigslist. And so I've got a few ways that you can, as you're, and you can do this from home at night. You have to get home from work. You can look on Craigslist and I would start off going to the for sale by owners section. So on, on most Craigslist, you can look in your area and you can just search for any house that's for sale by owner. And you can make a list of those and just start calling them. And it's, it's kind of like you said earlier about the calling for rent by owner signs. It's not necessarily going to be a high success ratio. So you got to prepare yourself to get a lot of no's or maybes. But if you just, if you practice getting on the phone, there are all sorts of good things that happen. And one of those is that you might buy a house. And so yeah. that this has been, it's a free way to do it. And you can control it. Right on, right on. But do you have any tips? Because calling people can be really scary. So for those people who are afraid to pick up the phone and actually do it, you know, what, what tidbits might you want to give those folks? Yeah, I mean, my heart always races. Even to this day, I've made thousands of calls and had hundreds of appointments with people. But I like to write the first thing I'm going to say down because you, the, the worst thing that can happen is you just kind of freeze up on the phone and say, oh, wrong number, bye, you know, and hang up. <laughs> and so if you, if you write down the first question or the first sentence, and if you write down the last question or the most important kind of call to action question, yeah. w- which would be, are you interested in selling your house or what are you going to sell your house for? If you write those down, then when you freeze, you can go back to your paper. And I, that, I still do that sometimes. Just write it down. Here are the questions I want to ask. And that'll sort of be your, your little handmade script. Right That's on. a great tip. So what... But besides the, the for sale by owners, I mean, are there are there any types of ad titles that you are specifically going to be looking for? Anything to help save time, filter out, and find these these properties? Yeah, there's a couple. Um, one is an estate sale. So you know, I've, I've Ooh, had yeah. some people some people just try to sell their house on their own and probate or estate. That'd be sort of an indication. You know, a lot of people put stuff on there. Uh, not only houses. If you if you can look at furniture sales, people have estate sales in your town and they put their stuff on Craigslist. So if you can talk to them about Hey, I see you're having an estate sale. When is the estate sale? And ask about it. And, they, and you can say, well, uh, you know, when my family, we sold all our furniture. And right after that, we sold the house. Are you going to be selling the house too? 
That's great. It's a natural question because the person who's dealing with the estate is typically not that excited about it. I've known because I've had to help with my family too, but they're not that excited about it. So they 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 want to sell their house, and so that's a it's a good way to to kind of segue and do that. Yeah, I went to an I went to an estate sale a few months ago, and uh, you know I walked through and I was looking at the stuff that was for sale and all this stuff. But I went I went up to the owner and I was just kind of talking to him, and I really wanted to ask him if they would sell their house, but I was like. I don't know. I felt like weird, and I was like, ah, you know, that feels awkward to do that. I don't want to. I don't want to bug them and ask them. So I didn't. And then, like two months later, they sold their house for this like rock bottom price to some other investor who ended up flipping the house. And yeah. I'm like, dang it! Like, why did I just ask them? It would have been a 10 second thing. I was just afraid of hearing no. Yep. And so I talked myself out of it, and I lost the deal because of it. So yeah, I like that. It's just something you got to do. You got to just get over. And I like your tip about the phone call a lot, like writing down your first line. I think that's just good. Even in in person, you could come up with like a, you know, a phrase you always say and practice it ahead of time. I I think that's awesome. So cool. The other tip I'll give and just final about any of these phone calls you're making. And if you're if you're an introvert and you're not really used to making calls, you're gonna have to psych yourself up a little bit. You're gonna have to think about why why am I doing this? And and so you know, I like to think about the fact that I'm not calling them to bug them about something. I'm actually calling to help them about something. Yeah. Yep. And you know, some, for some of us who've already bought houses, we know that there's some people we've really helped a lot, and they were so happy the way they bought their house. But if you've never done this before, you might be thinking, "I'm just taking advantage of somebody, or I'm buying their house cheap." No, you're actually gonna. The person who's gonna sell it to you is gonna be very happy that you're buying it from them. And yeah. so you got to go in there with that attitude that I'm looking for that person who I can help. And if I, if I, if you, the person who says no is just somebody you can't help. Don't yeah. worry, don't take it personally. You know, it, and it's interesting because not just in real estate investing, but you know, here we're at FinCon and we got all these people who are little entrepreneurs doing their thing. Across the gamut, fear is probably one of the most powerful things that stop us from accomplishing what we want to accomplish. And so whether it's making that phone call or whether it's getting out there and doing mailers or driving for dollars, you know, like, what do I do next? I found a property. Now what? You know, I'm freaking out. Or, hey, I've got this blog and how do I, you know, all, all these things. It's fear, and you have to get past the fear, and the key to get past the fear is to have a plan, is to have a map, and, and by knowing, you know, whether it's a script on who you're going to talk to, or at least a, a, a basic map on how you're going to accomplish your task, you're going to have a, a, you know, easier time getting past that fear. Um, re- really quickly before we go on, you know, we've got you back. It's been a while since you were on the show. How many units do you have? How many properties do you own? How many units do you have? How long have you been doing this now? Sure. Um, I've been investing in real estate full-time for 13 years. So I'm, I'm 35 years old, and I graduated from college and decided that before I figured out how to do a real job, I would just go and start buying some houses and, and just do that for a couple of years. And I look back now, and I've I'm doing, been doing it full-time. So um, I'm an entrepreneur, but I, we currently own 55 units, and we're in a college town, Clemson, South Carolina. So some of those are college rentals. Some some of them are just your typical single-family houses, duplexes, that sort of thing. And but I like to tell people I'm a not I'm a little big business. So I have 55 units, which for a new person is going to sound like a lot, but for somebody who syndicates thousands of properties, that's very tiny. Yeah. But I work out of my basement. We have a part a part-time person who helps us out, low overhead. That's kind of I'm a lifestyle business. I like to travel. I like to do other things. I like to write. And and so the real estate's really I think the most powerful part about it for me has been the kind of flexible lifestyle. That 
that it's allowed and yeah. to do so many other things. And that's, that's what really I'm excited about. So with 55 units, you don't really have the credibility to talk about finding deals, do you? <laughs> not, not at all, no, no. Right on. Right. <laughs> well, cool. All right, cool. So we had Craigslist, we had Driving for Dollars. Uh, next thing on the list is the MLS. All right, so this is one that probably a lot of people already do. So maybe we can go into some nuances of some different techniques. But, sure. you know, most properties sell in the MLS. You know, everybody knows it's the realtors list most of the properties and they put it on this big database called MLS, which goes out on the internet and syndicated everywhere else. And so it pays to pay attention to that for two reasons. One, because there's a lot of properties there. Two, because it's free. Again, if you're getting started, you want to try to exhaust every free resource you can. And so my, my strategy with MLS is, is to kind of filter out the ones that are, are actually have some potential for being interesting. And so one way I do that, I, you, can, you can hire a realtor if you're not a realtor yourself to do a search for you and they have a computer where they can filter out and look for certain things. And for me, one of the most important things is days, uh, days on the market. And so I don't want to, unless a property is priced really low the day it comes on the market, I'm not really interested. And even then, it's because there's going to be five or six other people bidding on it with me, and I don't like to bid against other people. What I like to do is come back after everybody else has forgotten about the property, and after they've had to lower the price two or three times, and it's at 200 days on the market, you know, they might have been not motivated to start off, but for any of you, and I'm in this camp too, when you owned a property and had it on the market for 200 days, you start listening to a lot of a lot of different options, yeah. and that doesn't mean you're going to take the off the low offer. But there's a lot of other f- things that you can get done, and so I ask my realtor to search for those, and then from there we'll start looking for ones that are listed within the, the price range or kind of close. You know, if it's within ten to fifteen thousand dollars of of our target price that we think it would be a good deal, then we'll start making offers on those and just start following up, following up, following up. Do you have like a minimum time on market before you start even looking or, or is it just, you know, play by ear? Not necessarily. No, but I might, I divide the search into two different kind of categories or buckets. One might be here, the long day on the market ones. And then the other ones might be, all right, it's only been 20 days on the market, but it's an REO, it's a bank foreclosure, it's an estate sale. And so you can get your realtor to use some other keywords like that. So fixer upper, REO, estate sale. Um, I was thinking about some other terms. Sometimes you can look for addendums required. That's sort of a back way that they might not list bank owned property, but they might, all the bank owned properties, you have to sign addendums. And so you just, your realtor, if they really know their stuff in the local market, they know what the motive, the foreclosure motivated kind of seller typically how they list them. So ask your realtor to help you figure out a search that gets those into a, a category. And then you just search down that list and find the ones that are in your target location that are already kind of below the, the full market value. And then you start going after those. Yeah. And, and just because it's on the MLS, obviously, doesn't mean it's going to be a good deal. And just because it's been on the market for 280 days doesn't mean it's going to be a good deal either, right? Exactly. Yeah. Some people try to buy a property just because it's in foreclosure. They think it's below market value. And that's, that's not the case. And this sort of goes back to our conversation at the beginning is that this is all assuming that you've done some work on your, your business plan. You've done some work on what target my target neighborhood is. You've done some work on what a good deal means. I mean, do you know the numbers? Do you know the market values in your area? Because um, you have to know the value. That Knowing your values is such an important thing. And I, I equate to people that this is like lifting weights. If you're an athlete, every single day you train and you lift weights in order to perform well. Right. Well, in the real estate business, we are our, our product, our commodity is a piece of real estate that has a certain value. And so if you want to lift weights every day, you've got to know your values before you go out and start doing all this stuff to try to find deals because that's how you recognize 
about what a good deal is. Yeah, I love that. I love that the analogy of kind of like lifting weights. It's something that they do every day. Weightlifters work every day, and like you know, I, I use this it's something you a lot. do every day, right? Well, you know, obviously, here obviously, look at Brandon. Yeah, look I at mean, me. I'm you're ripped. A, you're a beefy dude, aren't you? <laughs> no, at FinCon, this is my third day in a row working out there. You should be proud. Of I know. I, I I stopped after like five minutes. Yeah, today. that's all right. You I'm know, joining you, you guys. Call. I'm going to work out with you guys tomorrow. Oh right, yeah, you're working out. Heard about this. No, but I, lo- I love this analogy of like working out because it it's the everyday process of doing every day a little bit. You know, you don't have to if you want to start investing in real estate, you don't have to start out by buying a whole ton of stuff. Start out by one activity every day that takes you ten minutes. I mean, that might be uh, analyzing three deals. I say that all the time on the Bigger Pockets webinars. Is I encourage people to analyze three deals every single day every day without fail, right? Or maybe it's just meeting one new person that's investing in real estate in your area every week. Or maybe that's jumping in the forums on the bigger pockets and asking one question every day. You know, just that everyday action, I just love. You know, there's that famous quote that says it's easier to work out uh, seven days a week than it is to work out three days a week. Yep. Because when you work out every single day, you, you don't fail as often as you do working two or three days a week. So anyway, I love that stuff. Right cool. On. All right. Let's move on to number four here. What is that? So our fourth one is, I call it referral prospecting. Referral oh, like prospecting. That. And so this is sort of a bigger bucket of things that you do to try to get other people bringing you leads. And I, I got to be honest, this is the one that sort of changed my business life when I realized, and I, I was actually looking at other businesses and I thought about it and I said, you know what? Most businesses, when, they, when they're in business four or five years, they don't have to do a whole lot of proactive marketing, like in a little small town. Yeah. If you're the local small town attorney or the small town dentist, my mother was a dentist, so I kind of saw this behind the scenes. You've got nice teeth, by the yeah, way. Yeah, look at this. Yeah, I wish they could see it on the podcast, but um, <laughs> she's done a lot of work on those from all my football days tearing my teeth up. But um, mm. anyway, um, <laughs> most local business people don't do a ton of pro- uh, marketing five years into their business because they get so many referrals to where the point where most of their business comes from referrals. And so I, in my real estate business, I, th- I thought about that. And I said, what can I do? It's almost like planting seeds. You know, what can I do right now to start planting seeds with other people so that they'll bring me deals instead of me having to be out there hustling all the time, hustle, hustle, hustle. Right. And so I'll, I'll give you a few ideas on ways that you can do that. And again, they're really, they're really inexpensive. So the, one is we're all on bigger pockets. And so one of the most valuable tools for me in my local market is to be in the local market forum on the bigger pockets. And so I'm in South Carolina and I'm in the upstate of South Carolina. And so very if you let people know on that forum that here's my location. And for me, I'm the Clemson guy. I'm, a, I'm in the college town. I want people to know I buy Clemson properties. And it, it, the, the week does not go by when I don't have another investor in my area who's so apparently my competitor, but they're always bringing me leads because either it's, they don't have time or they don't have the money this week or they don't have the inclination on this type of property. And so that, that's a often missed opportunity by telling other investors in your area, in your area, specifically through Bigger Pockets, which is a huge network of people in your area, that you buy properties, what you're looking for, what neighborhoods, and just let them come to you. So let's talk about that. I know we talk about that a lot, and I I think it's important to stress every time it comes up, so I'm going to stress upon it again. You said, these people are my competitors. I, I am an investor in this market. I want to get good deals, and they are investors in the same market, and they also want to get good deals. They are your competitors. Why would you want to work with your competitors? There is a benefit to be gained, is there not? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I think it's counterintuitive for some people, but I mean, I just, I know for a fact the last two years, the best deals I've bought the last two years have become from a referral from somebody who does something fairly similar, but he just had a little bit different niche. For example, I, it was a, 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 one guy referred me a duplex 
he didn't want to buy duplexes at the moment. He was buying 20-unit buildings. And so that made perfect sense for him that he was looking for bigger stuff. He had bigger fish to fry. This was just a little duplex, which was an awesome deal for me. It was right in my wheelhouse. And it happens every single day that there's some, some deal that another person's doing that they can refer to you. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and not just if they're doing another niche. I mean, you might have a guy who does duplexes and you do duplexes, but he's tapped out because he's got too many deals and he doesn't have the cash or the resources to get the next deal. So, you know, if he can work with you, exactly. get a small piece. Exactly. You know. yeah. yeah, and you can also start telling people, if you're somebody who has the capital to buy deals, like if you're a cash buyer or you have some sources of private money, start telling other investors that, hey, I've got money to loan. So if, you, if, you, if you're interested in being a private lender, a lot of the times that's sort of a backdoor to getting deals because the person who has the deal, your competitor in your town, says, hey, I've, I've got three deals under contract and now I've got a fourth one. I don't have the money. Can you loan me the money? And you can talk about it and say, yeah, I'll, I'll loan you the money at 15% with four points and you know, whatever the case might be. And they say, well, I'm not going to do that. I said, well, I'll buy the property from you for 50000 bucks." They say, okay, I'll make 3000 bucks and just pass it on to you. That's a great tip. And so, yeah. so I mean, there, that's, there's lots You're of... You're a terrible person. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, it is, but the, 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 this is a common theme that Josh mentioned earlier is that if you get out and you start talking to people, you know, there, there's so many people, I think, in the bigger pockets when we're t- talking on the forums, they think there's a technique or a trick that you're going to get some direct mail campaign or that we're talking about the MLS here, referral prospecting. You, know, you need to do those, but the common theme is you, get, you need to start talking to people and you need to start pitching people about what you do. Yeah. If you do that every single day in whatever form that comes, then you're, you're going to start having some opportunities. Yeah, I love that. And you just mentioned, you know, you, you mentioned this idea of the local networking forums on bigger pockets. Just to, in case people aren't familiar what that is, uh, we recently introduced these sub forums in bigger pockets that you can go to, and your area has its own sub forum, probably. And so there's, you know, hundreds of them. Yeah, we've uh, got state, and then we've got yeah, major metros. State and, and major metros. Yeah. And so you can go in there and just start networking in that sub forum, like you do in the in the in the, the Clemson or whatever you're in South Carolina. We, we need to get an upstate one, guys. We got, we have the, we all, I'm having <laughs> wow. to network with all of South Carolina wow. right now. But. So there's, you know, everybody watching and listening, you just called us out. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Hey, can we find another guest? Alexander, come on up, man. You, you're an investor. Constructive <laughs> feedback from your consumers, yeah. All right, cool. So we talk about bigger pockets. I, I was kidding, but it's okay. What's up, everyone? This is Alexander, another bigger pockets member. I'm Alexander from cashflowdiaries.com. Nice. And uh, you write about real estate? I do write about real estate. I love real estate and I love bigger pockets. I've been a member for years and most of the information that I know is from bigger pockets. That's awesome. I love that. Well, we're going to get you on the show at some point full time. Is that cool? Hell yeah, man. We're doing it. Thanks. All right. All right. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do-not-call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP.
This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Deciding how to invest your capital can be extremely challenging, especially when the market is constantly changing. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company that has a great track record. The BAM Capital executive team has successfully navigated through the Great Recession, COVID-19, and the current interest rate environment while delivering maximized returns to their partners. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator with over $1.3 billion in transactions, delivering a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. And BAM Capital has consistently paid preferred return distributions for over 50 consecutive months, has not lost limited partners capital, and has not called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital's disciplined investment strategy is targeting undermanaged institutional quality trophy assets throughout the U.S. heartland for accredited investors who are looking for generational wealth building or monthly income opportunities. Their offerings target cash flow stability, capital preservation, long-term appreciation, and accelerated tax benefits. Join BAM Capital's over 1,200 investors across 44 states and get started today at BAMCapital.com. Again, that's BAMCapital.com. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find a home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even on the same day with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help you get the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. All right, let's get back to this guy next to me. We're talking about bigger pockets, uh, referral prospecting, local local networking groups. So there's other stuff too, right? Yeah, so the other thing I would do, and I've had a lot of success with, is talk to all your professionals in your hometown. So you kind of back into this and think about when somebody has to sell a house, whether it's, you know, they're in financial straits or whether they inherited the house or for some reason they're selling this fixer upper house that you're trying to buy, you know, where, do, who do they talk to in the town to get advice? Well, you think about it. I mean, what would you guys say? I don't want to put you on the spot again, but who, who do they talk to when they go to in the town to get good advice and when they, when they have a situation in their family or whatever happens? The realtor, the pastor, 
They talk, they talk to you, don't they, Brent? You're a pastor, aren't you? I'm not a pastor. I'm a youth leader. They're different. He plays well, a mean guitar, though. I yeah. play a mean guitar. And ukulele, out. too, right? And a ukulele. I know three chords on the ukulele. Nice. I can do some damage. He'll be doing that later on, guys, for everybody who's alive. <laughs> yes. I was yes. going to bring it, but I didn't. For everybody who's sober tonight. Yeah. Come yeah. to sweet. What room are you <laughs> All right. So, so yeah. I mean, I, I was thinking like insurance. You might, if you have an insurance question, go to your insurance agent. Yeah. Real estate How agent. How else do you go to real estate agent? Mortgage, more go to mortgage person. So, what, your attorney too. I was thinking attorney. Yeah, yeah. Attorney, yeah. your CPA, yep. your financial advisor. Yep. So I, I just found that all these people in town who a lot of real estate investors don't they don't go talk to them and tell them what they do, and that's a mistake because what happens is those people go they're having their appointment with their financial planner with their attorney and they say you know what I need to sell my house I really don't know what to do at this point and if they knew that you're a respectable person in your town who also buys properties, that attorney might say, well, you know, you can list it, but if you really need to sell it quickly, you could try talking to Chad. You know, he, he buys, I know he buys houses. Yeah, but Chad, they yeah. know you're not respectable. Yeah. You, you need to be respectable first. So we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> precursor that. But assume, and that, if you're, I'm in a small town, you know, that's kind of another conversation, but everybody's in a small town. If you're in a big city, yeah. you, you have your village, you have your, I think it's Warren Buffett who said this in one of his books that, you know, if, if somebody who's working for him loses money for them, he can forgive that. You know, he didn't like it, but he can forgive it. But if you, if somebody loses one shred of reputation for Warren Buffett, they're gone right now. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think if you run your business that way, I think that's, that's really important because that, that is your equity in financial terms in your business is your reputation. So in a yeah. small town, that equity turns into referrals. Going back to this whole conversation about referrals, if you have a good reputation, if you deliver, if you over-deliver, then people who know you, other professionals in town are going are gonna to refer business to you. That's huge. That's huge. And yeah, and you know, so many new real estate investors come in and they're like, you know what, I'm, I hear about these all the, these marketing techniques and some of them might be kind of borderline and you know, they're going to try some they may try some, you know, slightly shady stuff and think that, oh, you know, it's great because I got a deal from it, so it's okay to do. The problem is everybody else now knows that you did that. So you've kind of soiled your reputation to folks, and they may not want to work with you. Just because you were successful one times, two times, five times, you've kind of just used up your ability to be successful, and you don't have a long-term business anymore. You've just screwed yourself. So you've got, reputation is absolutely everything. I agree with you 1,000%, and that's that's fantastic feedback. Yeah, awesome. All right, so what else we got? We got a referral thing. You want to go on the next one? Or you got anything to wrap that up with? No, I think I think that's it. So. All right, so that was number four. Let's do a quick review. Number one was dr- dr- dropping dr- for dollars. dollars. Number two is Craigslist. Okay. Number three is using the MLS, but using it a little bit smarter. Don't just try to grab to the whole MLS. Be targeted about it. Okay. Number four was referral prospecting. Okay. And number five is we're going to talk about direct mail. All right. Now, what is direct mail? All right. So direct mail is, is instead of going after the whole universe of people who own houses in your town, you're going to try to build a list. So you can buy lists from different sources. There's online. If you search for direct mail lists in my town, you can. there are a number of people who will sell you a list for a few hundred bucks for a lot of names. Um, so that's that's kind of another story, and maybe we can link to some, and I can give you a couple names. Yeah, um, for sure. That we can link to, but basically, once you get a list, you can search for certain criteria of homeowners. So you don't want all of the homeowners. You want, for example, all of the homeowners who live in a different location than where the property is. That's called an absentee owner. 
and that's one of the most common lists. I mean, so you're going to have to test these. This is a, I, I didn't put this first because this is, I think there's a little bit more advanced technique, even though on the forums and different places, people talk about direct mail all the time. This is one of those techniques that you're going to have to spend money on. And it's, it's a possibility that you send a thousand letters out because that's how many you have to send before you start getting results. You can't just send two, three, four, five letters. You have to send a thousand and maybe get 10 calls or 15 calls. And it, there's a possibility though, that in your market, if it's so competitive or this niche doesn't work, you might send them out to the absentee owners and you get no calls because there's 10 other letters going to that same person. That's just part of the deal. You, you have to experiment with it. So that's why I think it's a little bit more of an advanced technique is that you have to be willing to spend and lose a little bit of money in order to make some money to find the right list. Yeah. Um, but absentee owners is always a good place to start because if you just think about the motivation level, there are potentially people who live in another place who are having to take care of a property in your hometown. And that's, if, especially if they're managing it themselves or they inherited it, that's just not a fun situation to be in. Um, I'm a local property owner. I like owning property in my backyard. And the people who own property out of town have to do a lot more work. They have to do a lot more and take a lot more effort um, than I do. When, I, when an emergency comes or something happens, I can just drive by it. And so that leads to motivation for some people, especially if they haven't done their homework, especially if they don't know how to manage properties. And so that's a really good potential list. Yeah, it's a great start. It's a great start. What else besides absentee owners? What other options do we have for direct mail or at least that you use? Right. Um, th- here's one that is not talked about a lot, but it was the first one that I ever did when I first started investing right out of college was I found the, own, the people in your town who have filed an eviction to evict a, a tenant. Yeah. So, so automatically you've taken the whole universe of property owners and you've narrowed it down to just landlords. And from there, I built a list. So you can go down. I used to have to go down with my laptop and, and kind of sit in this corner on this little desk on the edge of a, kind of a, edge of a little desk in, my, <laughs> in the courthouse. And I would type on my laptop for like three hours. And these days, things are on the internet. So it makes nice. it a little bit easier. But look in your hometown and look for the clerk of court for the, in, in my area, it's called the magistrate court. But you want to look for the clerk of court and find wherever they have public records for every single court proceeding that ever happens in any court. It's public knowledge. And so you, can, you should be able to narrow it down by just eviction proceedings. And so you, get a, you can build a list there. And from there, you narrow it down even further, though. I don't send them out to all the, proper, the um, properties that have property managers because they're doing a little bit better job managing right. them typically. Yep. Um, so I look for the people who have the properties themselves and they filed their own eviction. They're the ones who are going to be completely frustrated by this tenant who's just torn their house up, who's probably not paying, who's not paying them if they're filing the eviction. And you're just indicate, they're indicating that they have a higher likelihood of being motivated. And so if you send them a letter or you give them a call, track down how to contact them, you have a pretty good chance of, of, of buying that property. It's a great idea. Yeah. I've said this before. I'm actually going through an eviction right now. You are, like, yeah. yeah. My longest tenant You're being I've ever evicted? had. Oh, okay. No, <laughs> this is, I'm not and, being evicted. And this is this is the property that you've got this fantastic property manager oh my gosh. managing. Yeah, I got right? a, she's yeah, awesome, right? I have a terrible property manager. Hope she's not listening. Actually, I hope she is listening. I have a terrible <laughs> property manager. I know you guys have been following along for the last like six months this about this terrible property manager. I have not fired her yet, but uh, that's a whole different story of why I haven't. But anyway, I want her to deal with the eviction. So we're evicting this guy. He's been with us for eight years now or whatever, and my longest tenant, and just destroying the house in the process. I mean, it's just like every day is costing me thousands of damage to the house. I'm just watching this happen and there's nothing I can do about it. So like, I know like this feeling I have right now, if an investor came to me and was like, Hey, I want to buy your property that you're going through, I'll take care of the eviction, you know, or whatever. I'd be like, just take it. I don't want it. Like I just have that. I'm so emotionally drained by this stupid tenant that I just like, 
I'm yeah, I, I'm just one out. So by the way, the address of Brandon's property <laughs> is. I'm gonna get like a hundred direct mail yeah, letters. Brandon, now. you're gonna be getting a letter from me. Yeah, you're tomorrow, tomorrow. You know, <laughs> oh, you guys don't want this one. This is my very first property. It, it was beautiful, but apparently it's the property manager texted me the other day and said uh, she almost cried when she yeah, looked through the windows. You should read that text. That's a really good text. Yeah, I'm not gonna read that. I'll cry <laughs> right here on the air. All right. But, so but, I mean, the point is, even somebody. I mean, Brandon is a, an experienced investor who's bought a lot of properties, and I know I could say the same thing that Brandon's saying on properties that in the past, when you, whatever price you would sell it for at the top of the when, in your when you felt best. After you've been dealing with a tenant, yep. you are going to be whatever that you will sell it for a lower price. It yeah. might not. I mean, it will be lower no matter what. Wait, so. I didn't really want to make a profit on that property anyway. Yeah. I, I'm good. I'm I'll, good. I just I'll want pay to pay some people to take this property. Yeah, yeah. That's what I. That's what I feel like. You know, and and a lot of people. I mean, hopefully, I have the you know experience to know that I shouldn't let my emotions drive my decisions. But a lot of people don't. Like they f- simply say, you know what? I've had enough. I'm done. I, I've. You know, had this guy, my brother-in-law living there for 17 years, and he has never paid rent, and you know, like, yeah. And, and you guys, let, you know, this is Brandon talking here, right? I mean, those of you who know the show have been listening for almost three years. Brandon's been doing this for a long time. If this can happen to him, it can happen to anybody. Evictions happen. They're exhausting. They're difficult. Hopefully, you have a good property manager who's helping you out. But you can understand why this is a good motivator for a potential person to want to sell their property. The property is just a constant headache. The tenant, there's a pain in the neck. Or, you know, one tenant's fine. The next one's a headache. Whatever it is, you know, it's time to move on. Time to sell. And I don't think we've actually talked about this. So, uh, thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. I just want to piggyback what you said, Josh, and that there's a common misconception in the, in the real estate world is that when you buy a property as an investor, that you have to take advantage of somebody else who's just going to let it go really cheap and they don't know what they're doing. Well, I think what we're getting at here is that there are intelligent people who have bad moments, but also there's intelligent people who make strategic decisions to get rid of a property because they might have a better opportunity somewhere else. Yeah. You know, so Brandon, for example, this is the first property he bought. He might have a lot of he might have another deal here that he can make a twenty percent return on. He might be willing to sell it at a loss in order to get rid of it, to get his capital back, to go do another deal. And yep. I've had plenty of deals like that where a very intelligent person chose to sell it because I would close in a week and pay him cash, and he could be done with it. So yeah, yeah. you never know what people's motivations are, and if you don't a- if you don't ask, you'll never know. So awesome. right on. All right, uh, number six, guerrilla marketing. Whoa. All right, so this is another big category, but we'll, we'll go on a couple little specific things. But guerrilla marketing means just low cost ways to get the word out about yourself. And so the first one I'll say, just kind of basic, you know, business one on one, get a business card, and and put something on that business card that about you buying properties. And so uh, when I when I first started, I got 500 business cards for like 15 bucks, you know. And every time I you know, pump gas in my car, I put the business card on the top of the gas pump. Every time I went to a coffee so you litter. Shop, yeah, that's great. People always pick my cards. <laughs> that's a really up, good though, technique. I, I like that. I know. Don't <laughs> tell the local magistrate police. Yeah. You know? Don't say uh, a word. Yeah. Anyway, that, and so I would put my card where you, you get creative on where you can put your cards. But you can go to the coffee shop and put them on the bulletin board. You can go to your your local church or your organizations might have places to put them. Yeah. And you know, those cards go around. So you know, get a business card. It's cheap. It's easy. That's well, real marketing. And you also hand it to everybody that you meet, correct? Exactly. Yeah. So again, we're talking about professionals. If you're going to an attorney's office, if you're going somewhere else, you're going to hand those cards out and they, and they spread out. Right on. Cool. Um, so we've got business cards. What else? So other, other inexpensive things like that, we can just list them. Things like flyers, things like magnetic signs for your car. Yeah. Um, at one point, when I, I don't do magnetic signs anymore because I don't really have to, and I don't want to have to drive around with them on my car. But when I had to, in the very beginning, when every single deal I bought was the difference between being able to put, pay food, put food on the table or not, 
I put magnetic signs and stickers all in my car because I needed to pay the bills. And for every year, for five years, I bought a property off of a sign I had in my car. Every year for five years. That's awesome. So it's like it cost me fifty bucks or hundred bucks, and it put food on the table. So right on. Yeah. Cool. I love it. What other uh, techniques do you have for gorilla? Well, you could dress up like a gorilla and stand out there with a sign. but <laughs> Or you could look like my co-host who was born that way. <laughs> I, I was nicknamed Sasquatch in high school. <laughs> right on. All right. I think that's it for the gorilla marketing. All right. So we're, we're running out of time. we got five minutes left. Let's, let's go to number seven, the last on the list, which is what? All right. So this is really simple, but sometimes you just want to handpick a property. So in my town, there's, there's certain properties that, for example, there might be a 20-unit building if you buy multi-unit buildings. There might be a, a rental property you think is just a good location. Just handpick that property, look up the address, look up the owner, send them a letter, call them. You you just get a list of like 10 or 20 properties in town that you want to buy and just keep bugging them for a long time. Um, I bought one this last year that I'd been bugging them for seven years about buying their property off and on. I mean, we met, I talked to them, they knew me, but I mean, situations happen in life and they change and they need to know that you want to buy their property and that that works. That's awesome. You're, You're like Scott who works for us. He bugs people too. Huh? He does. He boomerangs them. <laughs> That's it. The last property I bought was that exact way. I've been watching it for two years and, and just waiting and waiting and waiting and watching it. And, and then it, it was a little different than it. it came on the market. It was like a foreclosure sort of. But I've been watching it for years and then it went into foreclosure and then I knew I wanted that house. And when it came on, I watched it. I jumped on it. I got it. And I handpicked that house and I wanted it. So let me ask you guys this really quickly because you know one of the things that we learn as real estate investors is not to get emotionally attached to a house. Are you guys not then emotionally attached to that property. Well, I'll qualify it. The, the reason I handpicked that property was that there's there's certain qual- locations in town that attract better rents, that attract better tenants. For, for me, I'm in a college town. The closer you are to campus, the better. And so what I found is just there's a limited number of good properties close to town. And so it just pays to narrow those down and search. if you're in Clemson send those deals to me by the way but uh, in any case in your town it's the same way They're, you know, the farther you get from the, pl- the good places the schools or the, the interior the village center of your town the walkable locations the parks the, it's not as attractive of a rental so what I'm saying is go to the best locations you still have to have a good deal you're not going to be emotional and pay, overpay for that property but all you want is a call and that's what we're saying send letters to people who own properties in good locations right on alright so fine great deals guys Chad has been awesome let's run through this list really fast top seven tips are driving for dollars we got Craigslist we got MLS referral prospecting direct mail guerrilla marketing and hand-picked properties Chad we got you what do you got going on but really quickly what do you got planned for the for the next you know foreseeable future with with your real estate well, we're, we're sort of in, in a maintenance mode. You know, we have a certain number of properties that we're happy with. We sell off a few, we buy a few, but you know, we're, we're in a mode of trying to get our properties paid off free and clear, buy a few strategic properties here and there. But you know, really my big picture when I first started was to have income, produce, income producing properties that paid for my lifestyle. And we're getting closer and closer to that to where I can do other stuff like this and get, talk with you guys, write on my blog, do stuff like that. And that's, that's what I'm all about. Right on, awesome. right on. All right, so it, it's now time for the world famous. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We now have a recording that does that, but that was how we used to do it. So, uh, famous right, four. So, what is your? And we've asked you this before, Chad, when you were on the show back in number eighty, whatever it was, number eighty-four. But we'll see if it changed at all. So, number one, what is your favorite like real estate-related book? Yeah, I had a hard time with this one, and so I hope you all allow me a little bit of leeway. But I like reading books outside of the real estate niche. 
because I get a lot of good ideas that I can then apply to it. And so for me, the, bit, the number one guy I like to study is Warren Buffett. And, and so I really enjoyed the Warren Buffett way. And good book. this is Robert Hagstrom was the author. And it, just go, it goes through a lot of the fundamentals of what Warren Buffett's looking for in businesses. But for example, I've noticed that a lot of the same things he's looking for, if you, if you translate that to real estate language, is very similar. Like I, I just mentioned buying them in good locations. I didn't believe that apparently when I first started buying properties and I bought a bunch of crap in bad locations. And now I'm paying for it. And I've learned why buying good locations and maybe paying up a little bit for those properties can actually make you more money over the long run. And that's a, that's a classic Warren Buffett. He he buys good companies at good, below market prices, but he buys them. Right on. Right right on. on. I I thought you were going to say the book on investing with no and low money down, but you know. Josh, that was the first time you've ever said the title right. I want to give a round of applause for Josh. Yeah. I've been studying really hard. You got my book title right. Really, really hard. I do like that book too. It's a good book. (laughs) It's a book. All right. So that was a non-real estate, real estate book. How about other business books? Is there another business book that you've uh, really gotten a lot out of lately? Yeah, I've got a kind of, I've got one I just pulled out last week that's a classic from, again, from like the 80s or 90s, but it's called uh, What They Don't Teach You at Harvard Business School. And it was by, he was a, he was an agent. He was an attorney and an agent for a lot of high profile athletes, but he talks just, the whole book is about street smart kind of business advice and that you wouldn't pick up in a business class. And it's things like, how do you communicate with people? How do you write, you know, write thank you notes? And it's just a lot of really handy, practical advice that I think is awesome. And uh, any, whatever business you're in, you can really benefit from that kind of advice. That's great. Right I never heard of that one. So yeah, I'll pick that up. Right on. All right. Hobbies. What do you do for fun, man? I've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old little girl. So my hobbies involve them basically but uh, we like to walk and hike and get outdoors sing frozen songs yeah i sing for oh, let man, it go yeah. i've got the whole the whole frozen song memorized we could do that for a postscript maybe nice nice, nice. awesome awesome brandon all right cool final question i'm going to tweak it a little bit for today's show about uh finding good deals so what do you believe overall sets apart investors who are able to consistently find deals from those who struggle and never find a deal to buy all right, I'm going to do a little plug for an article I wrote on Bigger Pockets, but to we'll me, the, the number one thing is hustle. So, I, I mean, we've given you techniques here. You could pick one of these techniques and run with it. Or one, and, but really, the difference between the people I know who, who get a lot of deals in my hometown are the people who just hustle like crazy. And what I mean by that is just when you get up in the morning, you're looking after deals, you're going after deals every single day, consistently, without fail. And if you hustle, good things are going to happen. And and so I would I would say that. Right awesome. on. Hustle, hustle, hustle. You know, I will also say, like, for those people who have don't read the blog very often, the Bigger Pockets blog, like Chad is by far one of my favorite writers we've ever had on the oh, Bigger he's Pockets amazing. blog. Oh, yeah. He's like the like, one of the few people that like I have to read every post that comes out. Oh, and so yeah, you. I'm going to link to all his posts in the show notes at biggerpockets.com/show141. And right so uh, yeah, anyway. Um, Chad, thank you so much for being with us today. Whoa, 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 hold on, hold oh, on. Oh, you want to ask him? I got, I got, uh, you got an one more question, Chad. All right, where fine. can Give people me. find more information about you, man? All right, so um, I'm on Bigger Pockets. You can find my profile there, and has a link to all my articles. And I also write some kind of non-real estate stuff at a blog called CoachCarson.com. It's about business, money, and life, kind of how that all intersects and wealth building. So you can check me out there as well. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, FinCon. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having us. Thank you for letting us perform here on the Trade King stage. I'm Josh Dorkin. And I'm Brandon Turner. Signing off. All right. That was Chad Carson live on the Bigger Pockets podcast from Charlotte, North Carolina. 
pretty pretty cool uh, pretty cool interview, man. Lots of lots of great tips, huh? Chock full of information. It was. It, was. it definitely makes me rethink like a lot of what I do. You know, in, in finding deals, I'm like, I should do this and I should do this. And, you know, maybe I'll start to incorporate, I know I'll start to incorporate a lot more of those in my business because today you have to be creative. Yep. You know, deals are hard to find. So, exactly. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. So big let's thanks, get out of here. Big thanks to Chad for, uh, for coming on. Yeah. Let's do this. All right, guys. Well, hopefully you enjoyed show 141 of the Bigger Pockets podcast. Definitely make sure to check out the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 141. You can also find all of the rest of our podcast at biggerpockets.com slash podcasts. And that's it. If you're not yet a member of our amazing community, I definitely encourage you to get involved. Jump on biggerpockets.com, sign up, create an account. You get to hang out and network with guys like Chad and Alexander who came in and so kindly interrupted our show earlier. Um, and awesome. uh, it was awesome. It was awesome. But yeah, jump on the site. We, uh, we hope to see you there. Thanks for being a listener, and we'll see you next week on the Bigger Pockets podcast. I'm Josh Dorkin, signing, signing off. off. <laughs> You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.